Hello and welcome to the New York Pages podcast in partnership with Inside the Ring. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Shrogri. We have from Blue Shirts Breakaway, Ryan Mead will join the show. We'll be talking about Capococco, trade ideas, why is Hayek even on this lineup? But before all that, we'll have a quick word from our show sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. And now a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Ring, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RING for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RING for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay of the industry, BETUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. And we're back with our guest, Ryan Mead of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Ryan, how's it going? It's going. a Sunday before the Ottawa game. Very fun times for, as a New York Ranger fan. I'm, I'm ready to chit-chat some NYR. So um, we want to bring you on regarding Kako. Uh, sure. Obvi- obviously. Never heard you, of him. <laughs> <laughs> as you know, his development hasn't exactly been great. That's kind of an understatement with the Quinn bin and everything like that. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because with Lafreniere, I have no concerns. I mean, well, listen, he's having, like, what? The past two games are probably the best uh, he was as a Ranger. But with Kako, it's starting to trickle in for me, like, concern a little bit. Well, what are your thoughts? Wow, you ready for this hot, hot, hot one? Um, up until two games ago, I was way more concerned about Alexi Lafreniere than I was about Kako in the long term. Wow. Way more. Uh, reason being, there are a lot of times when you watch Kako on the ice – um, I think especially in that 10 game span when he was with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom is that you could see the intangibles that they were always talking about with Capococco, whether it's the board battles, the the motor, the go get uh, the, the, the two man game with Strom. He played where he actually he does have a dangerous shot. He refuses to use it, uh, but it is there for him. And you could see a lot of the flashes for Capococco. Will Capococco be this sort of. NHL all-star number two overall pick Sebastian Ajo type that we all want him. Um, likely not in the long run. Could it still happen? Yeah, he's still a kid. Like the development's still there. You've watched Pavel Buchnevich transform a 25-year-old into possibly an 85-point player. You're watching oh, Chris Kreider now do it later. So the development could still happen for Capo Caco, but he has all the makings of what would be a top six right wing player for a very long time because of the points uh, and because of what he's done with the New York Rangers so far, his next contract is going to be cheap peanuts. And that helps the New York Rangers in the long term because they're up against a cap crunch. So I'd imagine he signs either like a 2.5, two year deal, 3 million, three year deal, something like that. And then they could take that next contract from there. Uh, with Capococco, though, you could see you could see the goods. You you see it all. He doesn't get power play time, similar to Lexi Lafreniere. Uh, he he's able to board battle and use his size to win certain puck possessions that other players just can't. And he's still a growing boy. But when it comes to Lafreniere, there were a lot of things I was concerned about in general. Now, the personality has never been an issue with Lafreniere. He's clearly a beloved locker room figure. He's clearly a, a kid that everybody likes working with. Kreider's taking him under his wing and all that. But there were some. He's supposed to be, and he was touted as one of the most offensive minded and talented prospects of this generation. Was he like quote unquote generational, like a a McDavid or Crosby and even an Eichel? No, but there were some comparisons. Like he's just the tier below that. He was in a tier of his own, the the entire draft. Uh, Kako's draft was Jack Hughes and and him, of course. And 
I know Jack got that big contract and has played a lot better this year, but we'll see how his development goes as well. But they were the only two surefire things. You could make the case for Byfield when you're talking to Alexi Lafreniere, but Lafreniere was a class of his own, and there was a lot he didn't show in these first two years. And whether it's the the uh, hockey IQ of being in the right space, right time, whether it's the the passing ability that just wasn't there up until the last two games, a lot of the times uh, there was just uh, almost like a lack of a hustle at points. And that's not saying Alexi Lafreniere isn't a great and talented player, but you, when you say to me, I, I think Alexi Lafreniere is a way more sure thing than Capococco. I just can't agree because the flashes to me of the, of, of showing the talent and flashing the talent just really weren't there. Like, what did he show you on the shot? What has he shown you passing wise? I, I, and I, he should be doing that in the power play. He doesn't get that opportunity. And this isn't me crapping on Alexi Lafreniere. I still think he's an amazing talent. Awesome. But in the long term, I know Capococco is a top six uh, winger in this league. And I, you know, I'm not sure that I, I'm pretty sure Lafreniere will be that, but I think Kako has shown more in his development than Lafreniere has in my opinion. So Ryan, I, I very much agree with you on that. And even more so people don't realize, you know, Kako's not playing right now. So everyone's attitude right now around him is like, yeah, what are we going to do with this guy? But people don't realize, I think like, I don't know if it was like, the last five games before he got injured or something like that, he started turning it on. You know, he was, he was getting in the right spots in the right places. And when, when I see that, I say to myself, no, this, this, this kid has something. The question is here with, I ask this to almost every person that comes on here. Sure. With, um, with the fact that the Rangers are trying to win a cup here and they're in a position that they did not expect themselves to be in. Are they focusing? And one of the reasons why maybe Kako's not doing well are they focusing on more of the winning than developing their young players where players like Kako and Lafarne have to sort of figure themselves out? Yeah, well, you have to understand that these players that are, are these great rookies and this great rookie class that has come in over the past couple of years, um, the New York Rangers picked the consensus picks of who was going to be there. Any GM would have picked Lafreniere and Kako. It doesn't matter who they were. Now, unfortunately for them, and unfortunately in some ways, they went to a team that was already stacked, had our team. But Aaron had me because of Benajad, not their team, not their squad. And you could see it in their play where they, they kind of pass to the players who they think are the adults in the room. Lafreniere, you, you don't feel the confidence like, hey, I'm the guy here. He's not. Lucas Raymond, when he's on Detroit, he's the guy, period. End of story. He's eight, what is he, 19 years old? And he's the dude. He knows that. Connor McDavid, day one, he got to Oilers. He's the guy. Sidney Crosby, he's the guy. Lafreniere's like the fifth or sixth option on this team. That's bad. behind Ryan Strom. Like, think about that. This is a guy that's had the empty puck net on- man. Yeah, empty net king. This is a guy that's had the puck on his stick his entire life. So whether the development, the Rangers have been notoriously bad at developing forwards. I mean, see Leah Sanderson, see Kraftsoff, see other other examples over the past couple of years. Here hasn't really gone great. I mean, even Philip Heedle. Uh, still struggles at times, even though he's uh, seemingly hopefully breaking out now. Who knows? We will see. Uh, there's been a less of development because these players don't get not only to build their confidence, but they don't get power play time. Anybody who says like, hey, Alexi Lafreniere has had 100 minutes of power play time and yet, is yet to register a goal. Like, go watch the power play time. It's 20 seconds of getting back into the zone and maybe a pass or two. Oh, it's a it, joke. It's a joke. He doesn't have a lot of it. And that the Rangers, when they win, they do two things well. They play Igor Shisirkin and they do their they do extremely well in the power play. Uh, so you cannot blame them for not playing these kids because they are in this position where they, they have a chance this year. You can't waste. It's a really delicate balance at, balancing act that I think a lot of people don't put into perspective. You can't waste a prime year of Igor Shisirkin and Adam Fox. Um, so you can kind of hope that in five years, Capo Caco and Lexi Lafreniere can be uh, dragging you to the playoffs then. 
So one thing that was baffling to me was when Kako was doing well. I think he had seven points in nine games with, with uh, Panarin. And, and Panarin yes. Yeah. And then Gowan moved him up. Now, the, the people say, oh, that's a promotion. But it doesn't make sense because Kreider, it doesn't make sense to have Kako and Kreider on the same that's, line. Yeah, that's my shit right there. It, it doesn't make sense. I have sense. no idea. Sorry. What? Sorry? Can I curse on this? I have no idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but basically... Oh, now, can, now he's just going to go off. Now Ryan's just going to go off. No, no, that's great. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> that's great. Um, so basically, you know, it was just baffling to me because it didn't make sense. Crowder and Kako don't make sense with each other. And Kako, you know, does so well with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. It just doesn't make sense. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Because, like, I, I'm hoping when Kako, if Kako hopefully comes back, I, I'm hoping he slides in right with Panarin and Strom, but like if the kid was starting to go off, what are you doing, you know, ruining his chemistry? So there's one thing I want you all to watch when you watch Kapokako when he comes back, and he has problems with his own transitions. Uh he doesn't he doesn't skate hard enough sometimes. There's one particular play I can think of from a couple games ago. I, I don't know if someone wants to go back and find it, they can, but Mika Zabinajad's uh leading a, re- a transition rush with Kapokako, and Kako doesn't skate fast enough for that transition and Mika has to pull up and otherwise it'll cause an offsides. And one of my favorite follows on Twitter is this guy named Adam, et cetera. And he kind of analyzes some of these things. And there was a report last year that our Timmy Panarin didn't want to play with Kako from carp right before he retired. It was like a hearsay thing. And there's kind of been some hearsay there as well where, Hey, Panarin, uh, who's your best player and best forward at most times uh, or actually almost always will uh, request a, a kind of a grinder on his line with him and Strom. And that, I guess he didn't feel that was Kako. Maybe he went to Gallant. Maybe he didn't otherwise. I agree with you that Kako and, and Kreider don't, uh, to me, they're redundant. To me, uh, Kako's net front presence has been diminished because uh, he actually has a great net front gain. Of course, it's not Chris Kreider's. Uh, he's a monster, but it, it's been, uh, it's been negated because of his line mates. And I think in the long term, if you're Gallant, you have to go and say, uh, what's my best chance to win? And my best chance to win is if Kako is with uh, Strom and Panarin. Now he, uh, maybe Panarin asked, maybe he wanted to get a different look. Maybe he thought he can get better, uh, better out of uh, that top line of Mika Zvinjad and Kreider if Kako was there. Uh, I think we're seeing the best, the best version of that is when Lafreniere is on the right wing for now, at least. Uh, and I, I expect to see Kako in that top six, unless the Rangers make a serious trade when he returns. And then you would have Lafreniere go lower down. No, I think Lafreniere has to stay with that top line. He's got to stay in top six. Top six, if you want Lafreniere and Kako in that top. Uh, see, six. I think Kako. I, I think it's fine to spread your wealth. I think a lot of teams have realized that unless you're in that that last four minute situation, of which you'll see many coaches do this, where they'll switch their lines to have their top three most talented players on the ice at the same time. You'll see Gallant do this. You saw Quinn do this when they put Mika Zabinajad, when they put Panarin and Fox at the same time in the last minute of games. Like, yes, that that's when you do, when you spread out the wealth, maybe if you trade for uh, let's, let's use a Joe Pavelski as an example, Pavelski could be your third line center and put the on that wing. Uh, and then, I mean, maybe if you want to bring Lafreniere down, you can then. And that's that is such a dangerous top three lines that I can get you through the playoffs. Could you bring Kako down to the third? I have no problem with that. It's not an issue for me. I think Kako has still, it's not like he's broken out where he's like determined himself into the top six. He needs to fight for it and earn it. I have no, absolutely no issue, but I do expect him to kind of return to that spot if he gets a chance. Do you, do you feel like with Gallant's type of offense that it's been a hard type of play for players like Kako who would rather not do sort of a dump and chase, like 
they would rather, you know, drive to the net. No, I see the funny thing about the whole thing is I, I think Cucker is like a perfect player for Gallant's offense, which is like heavy forecheck and and get and board battles. And if you name two things, I think Kako has done well in the first three years. It's win board battles and forecheck. Everything else, like you can kind of throw question marks around and be like, hey, does he have can he do all these things? Um, but those two things of Gallant's system, Kako does them. It's just he needs to play without the puck better. That's the one big thing that Kako needs to improve on. And that's same with Lafreniere, which is to me in the long term was more concerning with Lafreniere because he was a hockey IQ guy, like smartest guy on the ice, no matter what. And there are a lot of times where Lafreniere is on the ice and he's not in the right position. He's not doing the right things. Uh, he has been over the past couple of weeks, but he just essentially was getting his feet wet. And he, you could see he was kind of outmatched in those not only defensive structures, but creating offense without the puck. So regarding Kako, the one thing, like you said, I feel like was a major issue was his positioning. Cause I feel like what Panarin and Strom do so well is, you know, Strom stinks that like open nets and all that. So sure. one, the one good thing he's got it is where his positioning is. I feel like that's why Panarin and Strom work so well. Cause Panarin can make these no look passes because he knows exactly where Strom's going to be. But with Kako, since he stinks at positioning that with Panarin, um, you know, Panarin is obviously not in favor of that. But listen, if Kako is doing great on that line, I love Panarin and all, but he's got to suck it up. I mean, yeah, personally. I, I think that's up to the coach, right? You say, hey, listen, the, the, we have the talent here. If we really want to win a cup, you have to convince your star players to mesh together. That's your job as a coach. Uh, it's as simple as that. If it, it's not Artemi Panarin's team. And this isn't me slandering Panarin. Panarin should get what he wants a lot of the time. But uh, pretty much Kapokaku is an advanced version of Jesper Fast right now with maybe a little bit of less of the grit heart factor of it. And But he can win board battles like Jesper Fast can't, couldn't, uh, or rather Jesper Fast could, but Kapokaku is a different animal. And he's just a, a bigger, faster version of that. And uh, they have to take advantage of that in the long run. Right. And even, and even like, and even players that are, are you know, around, around him, like Kreider and stuff, Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think Lafreniere has made an effect on certain players on this team, on um, his attitude. I think he has a certain great attitude that he has had an effect on this team. Yep. Um, I really actually, like, when, especially on Kako, um, have liked how he's, his presence around the net. He's really learned that well. And the question really to me is, is this injury going to really hurt him? Or is this injury something that we could say, is something that he's just going to build up from and he could get back. Like, I know that I'm not, you're not a doctor, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm actually, like, I'm curious, but... like what your thoughts on how his injuries could affect him, because we do not want a player here. That's just going to be, you know, injury prone. And we're going to see him like every, uh, for the next 10 games, and then he's going to get hurt again. I think there are guys that are injury prone, but I think it's really important to remind everybody out there that's listening right now that Chris Kreider is kind of labeled as an injury prone player. Uh, he's a guy that's dealt with back issues. He's a guy that's dealt with uh, blood issues, serious, serious stuff throughout his career. There's been a, a lot of the times people ask, why hasn't Chris Kreider hit 30 goals? A lot of times it's because he's dealing or playing through injuries. Uh, and it, I don't really believe there are certain Or he's running with the carry price. Yes, of course, as is tradition. And there are a lot of players that, in general, I think he carry that label. And I'm not sure Kako is that. I don't know. And I, I can speculate on what this injury is. I believe it's a wrist issue. I've heard other things as well, uh, but it's the NHL. So you won't find out. Uh, it could be, maybe it's something more serious. Maybe it's not. 
Maybe he's back in a month. I have no idea. We won't find out. So I can't really speak about how he's going to recover until we find out exactly. And it's reported what the issue is. If it is, I think it's a wrist issue. If it is a wrist issue and it heals, wrists are hard to deal with. You shoot with those. I mean, you've heard about that, I'm sure. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, if, if it is a wrist issue and it's reoccurring, that could be maybe something that doesn't get healed till next season. Maybe it's not fully back until a full off season of physical therapy. Who knows? I, it's going to be a, hockey players play through insane things. Kako, if he wants to make it in the league when he's in injuries, you have to play through that stuff as crazy as it sounds. I mean, uh, he, so he, Kako, good, he was getting good minutes on the ice. I mean, compared to Lafarnay, he was getting, he was getting in the teens of, of minutes. I mean, 13, 14, sometimes 16 minutes. Sure. Um, but, and Lafarnay had nine to eight, nine minutes a game. Eight to 13. Yeah. 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 Not really getting as many. Uh-huh. I mean, that's something that is very curious to me. I mean, it's it's to me, it's not. Uh, it's Gallant is trusting the people that were playing well that night, and he'll he, he no matter what he says, he he favors veterans uh, over everybody else. He like, has Greg guys, like Greg McKeg, like Greg McKeg, like Ryan Reeves. Those guys are there for a reason, and uh, maybe that hurt Lafreniere's overall development. Maybe that David Quinn did the exact same thing. But Gallant, at least in this situation, is way more of a player coach than David Quinn ever was. Is way more about not not putting the blame on his players like David Quinn did sometimes. And also can coach his star players in, in a big way. Yes, you don't want to see Lafreniere get... Uh, I mean, I, I rode this train forever. He had to be in the top six. He's your number one overall pick, and you're seeing it now. Um, and that's going to be the, more, the next debate when it comes to Jones Schneider. Like You have to take advantage of developing these rookies because it matters. But then we don't ever give credit for playing Keandre Miller 20 minutes a night. So it's pretty funny how that happens. So regarding Lafreniere, um, if he keeps on emerging like this, I mean, I, I'm like counting on he's getting a point tonight. That's kind of my thing. I feel like he's finally going to break are, through. Yeah. Hopefully he does. Yeah. So if he keeps on emerging like this and Kako, you know, hopefully is back, uh, that's a big hope. Do the Rangers maybe change their angle on a trade? Because your whole point was, right, to get a top six forward maybe – or something like that. But now, if your top six is set, maybe a third-line center could be the way. I know Joe Pavelski could fit both, but is there anyone else that we haven't thought of because they weren't third-line centers that now maybe we think that, hey, you know, maybe a line with him, Goudreau, and whatever else could be your nice third line? I think the Rangers are going to explore everything. This is such a lame answer, so stick with me. It's lame. And I think Drury's going to go out there and find – the best deal he can, whether it's for, if it's a cheap rental, he will. I think the Montreal stuff is not real currently. I think uh, there's really no, no trade scenario there. And I I think he's also going to favor contract length. He's not really looking for someone that's just for this year, which is why JT Miller is so linked uh, to the New York Rangers is because he has two years left. Who knows what's going to happen with Vancouver. I don't think the Miller thing is real either. I think Hurdle might end up staying in San Jose uh, I think he only has three teams he could really go to. Maybe he can push his way to New York. I don't know if he wants that. I think I, my gut feel has been that the Rangers circle back on Jacob Chikrin in a couple of weeks here to see if they can uh, finagle him away for a cheap price at the end before the deadline goes. I mean, the Maple Who Leafs knows? did a good job with that. What was that? I mean, the Maple Leafs did a good job with that. Yeah. They what did. was that trade? I don't know what happened. Uh, they just value the picks, I guess. And they, No, I'm saying Nick Ritchie for that. Well, Nick Ritchie is just a salary dump. That's all it is. Right. No, but it was just funny that like a conditional second round pick for 2025, like whoever's in 2025, those guys are in high school right now. 
<laughs> yeah, but if you could take on, uh, you know, it, to me, it's smart business from Arizona. They know they suck. And if you could take on money that you're going to not spend anyway to get future assets, you might as well. I mean, they're collecting second round picks like Infinity Stones. Good. Get them. It's smart. It's smart thing. Some of them hit. Uh, I, I don't I don't think Arizona is a good front office at all. I think they're pretty terrible. Uh, but it's good for us. We could take advantage of it. This is the smart. This is the smart moment where you could take advantage of that situation and go try and get a Jacob Chikrin, who is uh, extremely cheap. And I know we don't need defense, and defense isn't the way it goes here. But when it comes to puck moving defensemen outside of Adam Fox, that which the offensive runs, uh, you really only have Zach Jones. It's not like Miller isn't an offensive creation defenseman. Truba is supposed to be, but really is just a rocket shot. Uh, Lingren is not offensive at all. So Jacob Chikrin can also kind of run that offense for you. That's, oh, you know, oh, yeah. that's, it's, we've, we've gone through, you know, Jacob Chik- Chikrin before. Um, and I think definitely if we could get him for cheap, that would solve a lot of problems. Yeah. But um, I mean, Jacob and I would, would both tell you that, you know, the, they are trying to get, they are trying to get, you know, as I know that they made that deal and it looks like they're trying to just like finagle everyone out of their system, but you really could, you really could try to um, maybe bring in, Two pieces. If once that's added, once they're going to give you something cheap like Chikrin, if, if well, if you get Kessel for like a right, fourth, exactly, like, I mean, that's that's kind of what we've been saying on our show forever. It's like, hey, Phil Kessel. I know he's old and hot dog filled, but like, guy can shoot the out. puck. Like, if he's on your third line, he's still like valuable. He's better than Julian Gauthier. Like, sorry, uh, he just is. So if I'm going to have Kessel come in, and his only thing I need to do is him to have a hustle ten percent more than he did in Arizona, and shoot the puck. Uh, I'm a, I'm down for that, it, especially because it's, it doesn't really cost the Rangers anything. Totally fine with it. What is the asking price for Kessel? Third round pick now? I guess it's like a third or third round. Of, it could be a fourth round. Like we just eat his salary. It doesn't like it doesn't matter. The right. have infinite cap. I know it used to line. be. I know in the beginning of this off season, they, or like a couple months ago, they reported that it was a, roughly a second round pick. But now I heard now like they're saying maybe it's a third round pick. I mean, like listen, the thing of Chikrin and Kessel would be great. It's just though if you take on Chikrin, right? salary cap wise how would you be able to re-sign strom like or get a second line center because i don't think we want filipito being our second line center you wouldn't and the strom thing is so interesting because i think that's a big part of using jt miller as sort of leverage against strom to say hey if you don't sign this team friendly extension we're talking really team friendly you know 5.5 maybe four or five years uh which in the nhl is team friendly when you don't go seven years and uh That'll be the case. I think that's what they're trying to use against him right now. Hey, if you don't want to be here, you don't want to stay, we got to start making future plans. So you make your decision. And I think that's all the JT room, JT Miller rumors are. It's Vancouver billet building their JT Miller market uh, of which they need. Cause when Emil came in, uh, who's Lafreniere's agent and she's now, I think the uh, assistant GM or the actual GM, she's not the actual GM. She's like assistant. And uh, she said right away, we're going to change the culture. And a big part of that was JT Miller getting out of there. So yeah, bas- I mean, basically, right ahead. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. So basically with JT Miller, are you saying it's purely to get Strom to uh, sign? But like Not purely is, like, right. Are they with like the, with the Rangers? Like if they were like, hey, how about this bag of donuts for a JT Miller? Right. Like, I'm okay. saying, is it a hundred percent a bluff or is it like they would make a legitimate trade? I They would make a legitimate trade if if I think they'll make a legitimate trade for anybody who they feel helps their team if they feel the, the offer is right. And by the offer is right, I'm talking like Kraftsoff in a first. Kraftsoff right. to them is a negative asset. Right. Like, Kraftsoff, like, is a goner anyway. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, who who do you think is a goner by the end of the deadline? Who do you think is? Uh, I think Neil's the first, and Kraftsoff are gone, no matter what. What's the value of Neil? So Neil's like in general, it's. I'm not sure he's going to be extremely valuable. Um, he was one of the better defensemen in in the minor leagues over the past couple of years. Of course, he played over in Europe. Uh, he's a puck moving defenseman that a lot of a lot of teams could value, but it's it's not like. It's not like he's blowing down the doors in prospect ranking. It's not like he's a top 20 guy. He's just not. Uh, I think I think us as Ranger fans overvalue prospects like that. And Niels is, is still valuable. It's still a good piece for your franchise. And if you can uh, trade him for a piece that can help you win now, that's fine. I think the Rangers see that they have their six pieces they want for the next five years right now. If they can add Chikrin to that, um, that's that sets them up quite well defensively for, for a long time where they can just focus on forwards. Um, and so I think those are, those are the pieces that Drury is offering at least to everybody out there. Do you see, do you see the Rangers maybe, um, do you see the Rangers maybe going with, um, a, a bigger name, like, like a Thomas hurdle or something like that? Uh, the hurdle has to choose right if price? he wants to go to the Rangers. That's the only way it's right. No, but I feel like for the right price, you know, if we're already making available Lundqvist and, and then Kraftoff and a pick or something and we're really looking to win this cup this year. And we feel like, I don't know if we could win a cup this year. I'm not sure. I'm not talking about they're going to, you know, you feel like they want to win it. And this year they're in a position to really boost themselves to that level. Uh, And do you push, do do you push for one of those for the right price or do you, or do you, it's not worth it. I'll put it this way. If Cabo Caco and Lafreniere were gangbusters right now, we're talking like they were, they were, absolutely out of their mind playing up to their full potential where they were uh as as picks you know uh there's only so many goals to go around and the rangers i think have like five players above 40 points right now uh but if those two players were just absolutely busting out i could see that chris jury would say we need a thomas hurdle real quick tomas hurdle i'm sorry we we (laughs) need this player this is the final piece but that is not the case if you look at the Rangers 5v5, it's been a disaster. The bottom six is rough. It's, it's, they're not, yes, they're good because Igor Shesterkin is a god. That's really what it comes down to. And do, do I think Drury thinks he's one piece away? Likely not. Uh, as, as dumb as we want to, or as, as much as we want to crap on Drury for the Buchnevich trade and some other, just other decisions he's made since he became GM, uh, I have to think he's smart, smart enough and analytically. Uh, inclined enough to realize that they're not, they could be a cup team. She, Shesty could win the cup for you on his own. Shit, Henrik Lundqvist tried to do that for a long time. And if you, Shesty has better talent in front of him that, that Hunk, uh, Lundqvist ever has had. But to, to kind of lie to yourself and say, hey, we need to go in all now because this is our last chance is a fool's game. Uh, and I don't think, I think he sees Kraftsoff, Niels, and this first as expendable and not part of his future team. He's not mortgaging the future by trading these players. So do you believe that, um, like, a, a guy like, what, what do you think of Jones and uh, Schneider? Like, because I, I, they've been playing great the past couple of games, but now I'm seeing that Nemeth is kind of come back. I, I, I don't know what Gowan's doing. Um, what, do, what do you think about that? I mean, what do you want me to say? It's it's, uh, <laughs> it's total garbage. <laughs> yeah, what do you want me to say here? It's uh, I, I'm not really. I I thought the Nemeth was a savvy signing. Hands up, eat eat some crow. I thought, hey, a veteran defenseman who has some pretty good analytic metrics. Uh, Colorado Avalanche fans made fun of me, said you're going to hate this guy. 
Uh, he's seemingly had off the ice issues. They said he has long COVID and he's dealing with that. Uh, he might be back on the ice today uh, up in Ottawa. Who knows? Oh, I yeah. like Joan Schneider analytically. I think they're great. I'm not even a chart guy. I really don't even teach myself analytics because I think uh, it makes me less entertaining. I understand <laughs> them on like a very low level basis. I know blue, blue line, good, red line, bad. And that's about as far as I go. But just watching, watching both those players. I mean, Schneider's 19. Uh, and Jones is Jones is still young too. And they complement each other very well where one's a stay at home defenseman and one can move the puck. I think you saw Jones kind of have his offensive spurts over the past couple of games. Yes. He was in the wrong position and a goal ricocheted off him. It happens to the best of us. Uh, I'm willing to forgive him for that, <laughs> but there is a situation where I just, I think with the exception of making a big trade uh, for a name like Chikrin or for a name, like maybe another veteran defenseman that I don't really have the answer for right now. I think those are your six defensemen you want to play. And I do think the Rangers will explore dumping them at either this, this trade deadline or the offseason. I'm saying I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous when he puts on Hayek or, or Nemeth. I get I well, Hayek's garbage. That, so like it's, it's not anything against does Hayek. Hayek like, have dirt on Drury. That's the only logical explanation I could think of. I think one thing Greg says on our show a lot is that the NHL is the dumbest league in the world. And sometimes I think like, hey man, you're being a little harsh, but then they always like prove him right. Hey, and come on, baseball. No, baseball. Like, uh, They're being pretty dumb right now. Oh, I'm uh, oh. I'm talking when it comes to evaluating talent. Oh, oh same thing. Uh, evaluating talent. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, to me, baseball. When it comes to evaluating talent, they do a great job. A lot of the time, <laughs> at least, putting players in positions to they have better analytics than the, than hockey does in general, and they they really follow the books, etc. There's more individual outcome based. Blah blah blah. I can do analytic talk if you want, whatever. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to the NHL, people value things that other sports leagues don't. Uh, period. Now I love Ryan Reeves. I'll never slander him, even though he's the worst hockey player by far on this team. He's awesome. I love watching him. He sports entertains the hell out of me, but Lieber Hayek, <laughs> when I watch him play hockey, uh, it's just clear he doesn't have it. And uh, he needs more time in Hartford, but they're afraid that someone's going to claim him on waivers. So they're trying to protect the investment, a little bit of sunk cost fallacy, but that's, that's all I can really talk be, to you about it. I, I'm saying it gets every single time. If the Rangers are, are trying to win games and I, and you put these people on the ice, you're putting the risk of losing that game up. And I don't but they believe those to... players are good. That's the problem. You can't I'm fix a problem. That... I'm not allowed to talk about it anymore on my show, but I'm huge on showcasing. And I think they're still trying to convince another team that Lieber Hayek is worth anything. Ah, uh-huh. what? They're going to give him minutes just to hope that he goes on some type of hot streak or something. I guess like if you really, it really comes down to it. And maybe you're saying that the, the aspect of costing Jones playing time is the problem in the long term. But if Hayek is out there and you can return a fourth or a third for a Lieber Hayek, like that's a good return for garbage. So, and you have 99% uh, chance to make the playoffs right now. One more question uh, before we end this off. Something again, baffling me. Gallant, you know, likes his men, right? He likes the big, you know, it's not like, that's why there was a problem. Probably I'm assuming with Nils, like these smaller guys, like, you know, well, can I ask you a question real quick before you finish this? Who's who weighs more Nils or or Adam Fox? Oh my! Ah, I feel like I have to say Neil's longest. I'm gonna. I, I'm assuming by the. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He does. Like according to the NHL.com, uh, they're they're like the same height, and Neil's weighs more. That's ridiculous. Like so, like right with those. Uh, like Gawain wants a men's game. What baffles me is then why doesn't he like Morgan Barron? He's like the exact, like he's that man's hockey game. Like he's that what Gallant loves. So why, why isn't he getting the time? I, I, I can't answer that question. And it's, uh, it's very frustrating to me. I think it's because he is a player's coach. 
and he he likes his guys and he trusts his guys uh, to do the things he he asks. And maybe Morgan Barron doesn't have that drilled into him yet, like Greg McKay does. Uh, and that's just that's as far as it goes. I I think Barron is a is an essential part of this team moving forward. And by essential, I mean can play a third or fourth line role for a few years for this team. Bring an edge. Bring bring things that Greg McKay just can't do uh, to the ice. And uh, Morgan's a younger, more fresh body out there who's also going to uh, provide a, a youth spark on top of Greg McKegg. So I, I can't really help you on the Greg McKegg thing. It's uh, very confusing to me, but it's just a gallant picking his guys that it's really as far as it goes. I wish there was like some big mystery, but there's not. It's maybe just the way he works. I mean, he likes, he, you know, gallant, he sticks to his guys as a players coach. Right. I mean, he's Love also, him. he also has his, his, uh, his, uh, his things, his like, you know, his st- ways that he likes to run. He likes to do the dump and chase. He likes to, you know, have his certain players, um, and that also is a good thing for, especially for a team like this, where you have an identity on the other hand, we really would like to see that five and five turn around. Yeah. Big time. And, uh, you'll see, you'll see the top line really have a good five E five. I mean, Panarin's had a little bit of a rough year at five E five. Uh, it seems like he's breaking out a little bit. You have to also realize that the NHL season is long. It's long. Uh, I'm not sure it should be a two games. That's a whole other podcast. And, <laughs> uh, these players sometimes know that they can kind of like, I don't want to say professional athletes don't try hard every game to entertain the fans and all that shit. Right. I don't want to say that, but you could definitely tell there are games where they're like, all right, how much do I have to really push in tonight? How much do I have to really fully commit? And these last couple of years, Panarin's been playing out of his mind, mostly because I feel like the Rangers have been pretty close to, or trying to make a playoff spot fighting for it. The Rangers right now are cruising. They are in a 98th percentile to make a playoff spot in the Metro. It's all, all but locked up by right now, which is why I wish they would make a trade sooner because to get that chemistry and all they have to work on is building good habits and routines against teams for the rest of the season. That is it. Oh, yeah. When you see a player like Mika Zibanejad, who's been on fire of recent, but with a player like Artemi Panarin, either, there are nights where you just don't have it. Uh, Adam Fox, notably the last two games, just like uh, had his birthday, probably went out. That was it. Uh, so we're not all superhuman. And uh, I think some of these guys, I don't want to say they take games off, but you'll see it in every sport. There are just times where the, in the big games are more engaged. Look at them versus Boston. Team was a house because uh, it's Boston. And then they uh, they move on. and It's just not the same. It's also New York. You know, Kreider doesn't score for two games. That's it. That's it. Kreider's, let's trade Kreider, you know? Yep. And that happens everywhere. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's in all sports in New York. Okay, so yeah, hopefully, if this five v five somehow figures it out, this is one of those teams that like the uh, top teams don't want to face in the first round. Like you know, um, all right. So I think we're gonna end it off here, Ryan. Obviously, I'm I'm pretty sure everyone has a twenty holiday anyway. But you want to post it here? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know where to find me. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I was just assuming, like, everyone everyone has your hand to hold, but I figured I'd do the courtesy if anyway. To this, you probably know who I am. You, you know who you are. That's why I just didn't want to, you know, seem like not asking you. And then, like, I appreciate you bringing me on to talk a little bit of hockey on a Sunday. All right. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Thank you to Ryan Mead for joining us in this episode. It was a lot of fun. Uh, now we're going to get to the Q&A bag. If you guys want to ask your questions, we'll post the answers on this uh, podcast to our Twitter handle, which is in the description. Uh, as so one, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, this Q&A grows. Uh, we have three questions for today. And yeah, like again, hopefully it grows 
to more and more. You can uh, either Jacob, me, or the or the or the podcast handle. Right. Um, so the first question is by at I don't even know Kiliev Vongus. Um, I suck at Twitter pronunciations. Why is Baron not in the lineup? He is a perfect guy we need, and he isn't seeing any minutes. So, like we asked Ryan before, uh, Ryan again, he he he's also baffled by this. It just doesn't make any sense. The only uh, answer we could give is that just like Gallant said, he likes his guys, like Greg McKeg and stuff. It doesn't make any sense because Baron, right? Like he's not the smallest guy, so you don't you don't think it's that problem because Gallant right. likes his big guys, right? But so that's why it's so baffling. Now, why isn't Morgan Morgan Barron's the perfect like thing for Gallant's system? Uh, I, the only explanation I could give is that he just likes to stick with his veterans and stuff. That that's just it. And the bottom pairs, it stinks because I feel like Baron could be really good in the third or fourth line. Um, I really think he could be that nice depth come playoff time. I don't know. Maybe he does end up coming up, but uh, yeah, there are, listen, there are pros and cons to every coach and this is just one of the, you know, the negatives of go on. Yeah. A hundred percent. I really can't say more than that. I mean, that that's exactly really what sums up Gallant in the sense of the way he likes to work. He has his way of working and you really have to, he has a system. Um, the only thing I would, I would, I would add possibly is, you know, he has a lot of players he's already dealing with. Morgan Barron seems like he, like, showed up sort of not midseason, but sort of like middle to the end of the first half. And he sort of has had his way of running the team and he's trying to work with it. Maybe Morgan Barron is something he feels like is not something yet he wants to instill in this team. He wants to work with what he got, what he, what he has, even though we do feel like he is a good spot. He, has, he, he does have a good spot on the team. Uh, maybe he just feels like not, you know, Barron's not something that is going to solve the problems with the way he wants to run this team. But again, it really is not so much of that and more of what you were saying of just how Gallant likes to work. And I'm sure it'll come up. I'm sure it'll like if I'm sure teams he'll come up maybe once due to an injury, unfortunately, or something like that. He'll do well. And then, you know, people will put it not in his face. I mean, they'll ask him and and we'll see what, ha- you know, we'll see what his response is. Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. Um, I listen, man. I really hope Baron comes up. I really think he could be a nice depth guy. Um, I, yeah. And he's a great face off guy too. Like, I mean, imagine a third line of like Baron Goudreau and whoever your addition is on the right, like Lectonin. That would be an amazing third line. I, 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 we said that to not Drew. Who was it? Who he asked? Whatever it is. The, the point is, yeah, it would be a great, yes, uh, fits. Yeah. Fits. That's yeah, it. We ask, yeah, it's a perfect third line for come playoff time. That's a great line. Um, okay, to the next question is at NYR. Um, lower line, what is this called? NYR 30. Uh, his question was seeing that Nick Bar- Barbarov will be the co director of amateur scouting for the Habs, makes sense that he will be interested in bringing Kraftsoft to the Habs since Barbarov drafted him for the New York Rangers. So Barbarov was with the New York Rangers. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. Yeah, uh, yeah he helped uh, draft crafts off. So now since he, since he's working with Jeff Gordon, obviously in Montreal, maybe, you know, he'd be interested in the Rangers prospects like crafts up. So like we said before with Fitz in the last week's podcast, uh, we feel like a guy like Lectinen would be great and perfect on the third line. And worst comes to worst, if you can't resign him, he's an RFA and you can trade him for assets. Like he's not, he's not like, you know, leaving after this season. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that, Either I feel like Kraftsov would be going the other way for uh, Lectinin. I, I don't know, maybe a second Kraftsov or something. I, maybe I don't know, Montreal fans are probably going, no, so that's way too low. I, I don't know. 
But yeah, if we get a guy like Lecton in, I could definitely see Kravtsov going the way. In fact, like I'm, I would bet on it. Yeah. Well, the one thing I do know about the way the Canadians are, especially this year, is they are in oh no mode. Meaning they had they went to the cup last year, and I think most of us were like, nah, you don't. I don't know what you're doing there. And um, you know, you you they had the least amount of points in the playoffs last year, and they somehow made it. And I think they thought to themselves, wow, okay, we, we did so well last year. Oh, it's going to transition to this year. And that did not happen. They weren't exactly what they were last year. They weren't in the same situations. And they really have fallen apart. So they're in oh-no mode. They're like, okay, we got to figure Yeah, they're just stopping everything, you know. Um, yeah, and they have some great pieces and to really – for other teams. I mean, to fully left, and, and I really wanted him, but okay, whatever. Uh, you know, he's going to do great with the Calgary Flames. Um, and they're going to really want back something. So I actually feel like Kravtsov might go there. Uh, you know, they're really trying to go build now for the next coming years and not really for now because they're like, okay, this wasn't exactly a good team. Um, and that's why I would feel like they're not just going to want to pick. They're going to want players. They're going right. to want back, you know, maybe. Like, listen, they have a lot of, I don't know, who was it? I think they have a lot of draft. So one team had a lot of draft picks. So if the Rangers were to, oh, no, they, yeah, that was Montreal. Uh, they have so many draft picks that maybe what they want is actually either ready prospects or close to ready prospects. Um, sometimes, you know, draft picks, you know, don't always pan out, but you know, there's a prospect that, you know, is a little more developed and will take less time to get to there. You know, maybe you go right. after him. I, I would definitely see Kravtsov in a trade for Lecton. Um, yeah, 100%. yeah. So our last question is Luca. He's actually the New York Rangers writer of Inside the Rink. Um, his question was, is that, who who are each of your number one trade deadline desires? Mine is, well, it was Hurdle or Drew, but those are unrealistic as of now because Hurdle's probably resigning. And then uh, Drew, you know, has full control and he's, pro- he's probably going to Colorado at this point. I think it's fair to safe yeah. to say. Um, for me, it's Pavelski, but it depends how much you write. We, uh, it costs because if it's costing, like he's over, he's a pure rental. He, he's gone after this season. Uh, him on the third line would be great. So I guess long-term, if, if I'm just going all in this year, mine would be Favelski. Obviously, going all in, I'm talking about doing damage in the playoffs. I don't, this team's not ready for a Stanley Cup. The 5v5 sucks. And that's an understatement. Uh, you look at teams like Colorado and Tampa, you're telling me you could beat them? No, they're not. Um, I don't know. Maybe Shesley could be to coin you around, but th- that's it. I, I think if you're doing for a rental, mine would be Pavelski, but a long-term piece. I feel like a guy like Lectinen could be really, really nice piece. Because even if he's not coming next year, you still can trade him off. So it's one of Pavelski or Lectinen for me. Okay. Uh, I have to say like this. You know, we are throwing around these names, Hurdle, Chikrin, uh, Lectinen, uh, Joe Pavelski. Uh, we, we mentioned some players from the Golden Knights. Um, I, I feel like with this type of team, there's not that many good veterans on the team. And as you mentioned, Joe Pavelski is really a guy out there that for the right price and the Rangers have the pieces for that, um, that he'd be a great fit. My number one desire is the way he's really, the way Luca's really asking the question is not for me, is not a player. For me, it is not to, is to bring in someone that will boost those bottom lines. As we discussed with Fitz, those bottom lines make such an effect. You look at teams 
that made that, you know, that have gone deep in the playoffs with the Islanders and the Lightning. Right. Like Washington had L or Pittsburgh had Benino, like all these depth guys. There was an identity line to the third line. So in my desire is to bring in a very, um, a energetic new look to our bottom new lines, whether I'm not talking about a fast guy, I'm talking about a guy that comes to our bottom lineups and brings a new energy. Uh, and I do not think I, my number one non-desire is for them to bring the defensemen. I mean, we have the players, we have the people there. We have not had the problem on defense. That has not been the problem. Our defense has been pretty good in most categories. We're not giving up many goals because we have a great goalie. But on the other hand, we are blocking shots. They are playing, you know. The point is we need to fix the 5v5 or just get a third depth guy. Exactly. And the biggest thing that boosts your five and five is when your bottom two lines are bringing that pressure and then your number one and two lines come on and just keep on bringing it. That's that always adds more of a pressure, gives you a better chance of scoring and allows your first and second line if they are having a problem and you need to switch things up to move around with that third and fourth line because your third and fourth line is doing well. And that's really, really important. So my number one desire is bringing a new energy if that's their line. Whether it's Pavelski, whether it's Lekkanen, whatever you're planning on doing, bring in someone. And I'm willing to give up for that. I mean, you want to take crafts off. You want to take, you want to take Lundqvist. You want to take picks. I don't mind for that. I, you know, you want to take Heedle even. And if you're giving me back the right player, I mean, we would love to see Heedle really coming back. But you know what? I don't know if the Rangers were going to want to trade him if he he's you know he started off the second half very well. We'll see. Right. If he if he keeps this up, you know, maybe they say, hey, you know, Hedo could be cheap next year also. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Hedo's a goner. I feel like Georgiev's a goner. And if they could well, get Nemeth off their books, man, that would be terrific. Well, maybe Hedo's price went up. I mean, they have so many pieces they could really throw up because as we've discussed before, Kincaid is a solid backup. Um and if we trade, like, listen, even if you trade Georgiev, like, do you believe if Shesterkin got injured, do you believe Georgiev, could we do anything? So it doesn't matter the difference between Georgiev right. or literally a high school goalie. The answer is the same. We're going nowhere. So right. if you could trade Georgiev for an asset and then get him off your books, go for it. Right. And there's a lot of teams, you know, out there. I, I mean, there's not, you know, he's also, I don't know how much, how much is Georgiev costing us, you know? Uh, 2.5. I don't know. We need every penny at this point because the salary cap next year is going to be so tight. Well, it's going to be tight, but on the other hand... It's only going up $1 million, and as it seems that... Yeah, the Rangers are going to be very tight. But you could dump Hayek's contract. Hayek's nothing. He's 925000 It's nothing. And Nemeth. Nemeth would be something. Nemeth, you could get off your bucks. What I'm saying is if you trade Hedl, Nemeth, and... um, Sorry, I'm blanking right now. What's his name? Nemeth, he, uh, Nemeth, he don't Georgiev, uh, you would have, I, I believe you have of five, six million. Wow. That's, that's not, that's, right. Cause Nemeth is 2.5. Georgiev is roughly 2.2 that's or roughly 2.5. That's two solid players. Right. And then he also, I, I think you could roughly get like 6 million worth of salary, free salary cap. Like that, that's a nice, you know, thing. Georgiev, yeah, listen, there will always be cheap goalies in the offseason. That I'm not concerned about if we trade Georgiev. Cause listen, if it's a high school goalie or Georgiev, the answer is the same. We're not getting anywhere without Chesty. So nice. that's really not a concern for me. Hedl, yeah, you know, like if he keeps on going like this, maybe I'll have concerns about trading him. But honestly, he usually gets on a hot streak and then falls off a cliff. So, you know, we'll see. And Nemeth, obviously, we all know he's just been abysmal this year. Uh, not a great signing. Ryan Mead said, uh, I, 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 I thought also, I thought that was a nice signing, nice, you know, he was going to be reliable on the third pair, but that was way off. He's just been absolutely abysmal. 
And uh, yeah, all right. I think we're going to end it off here. Uh, Shragi, uh, take care, man. And hopefully, you know, the Rangers could get their act together. Oh, yeah. I want to see those first periods a little more energetic in the next couple yeah, of minutes. Yeah. <laughs>